Well, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to No Reserves Radio. I'm your host, Ren. With me, as always, Angelo. And today we have a very special guest with us. Um, you, you've probably not heard him in a long time, but Austin is actually here. And it's not just a soundboard. Austin, welcome back. Technically, this is his first appearance in 2024. I don't think that's... I guess that is true. No, that's not no, true. No, no, because the New no. Year special. Oh, New Year special. special. New Year special. We just recorded that so late in December, I forgot that it released on the... All right, so oh, for those those keeping track at home, Angelo is currently 0 for 1 on the scoreboard for today's episode. Uh, 0% shooting today. Um, not... Anyway, go on. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. Um... <laughs> no but it's it's the gang's all here uh for our little episode today not a ton going on just a little bit of things to talk about um, as we get closer to the all-star game a lot more is going to come out and trade talks are heating up so that's what we'll we'll start with we'll talk about um gross trade room i think the trade rumors are pretty boring this year so yeah. far the only real yeah. major ones are zach levine and pascal siakam it seems like the mikhail bridges talk has kind of fallen off um it's sounding like the bulls might get stuck with levine because their asking price might be a little higher than a lot of teams are willing to play because it's becoming more and more evident that he's kind of an empty stats player but teams yep. that are still in the market for him are uh, the Atlanta Hawks, the L.A. Lakers, and there was a third team, but I cannot remember what it was. It might have been the Miami Heat. Uh, the only problem is, what do those teams have asset-wise? Do you think the Atlanta Hawks already have enough empty stats uh, put up? Who are you talking about? Trey Young. You're talk- oh, you're talking about- oh, Trey Young. Right, 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 right. Trey Young, empty stats player extraordinaire. Um, and then Pascal Siakam, Toronto seems to want a king's ransom for him, um, but it's essentially a rental because Pascal is telling everyone and their brother that he wants to test free agency this summer, which is fair. He should. He's, he's probably going to get a lot on the open market. So essentially, what you're trying to trade for is his bird rights, so you have the ability to offer him more money and more years than other teams are able to. The problem is the teams that are most linked to him are younger teams, and he is going to be on the other side of 30 this season. So I'm just... I'm interested to see what the return ends up being for Siakam. I just don't think it's going to be as much as we think it should be, because he's definitely worth quite a bit, right? Mm. But given that it's a rental... (laughs) Do you disagree? Austin sounds like he disagrees. I just so don't you, think he does anything. He's okay. <laughs> I love this episode already. He's. I'm. I'm trying to think in my head real quick before I say it. This season, he's probably top six, top seven power forward in the NBA. And he's on a really bad team. So. Mm, I think that's why he's top six or seven. But he's been top six or seven for a while now. And how, how long have the Raptors been good? 
much. Um, how long have they not been good? You mean? Yeah. Not two years. Mm-hmm. There's a weird noise coming through Angelo's mic, and I'm yeah, not sure what weird. it is. But oh, is it creaky? It's probably my chair. It was like, like a trumpet sounding yeah. in the background. Like <laughs> revelry started playing there for a second. Um. Now, I'm not saying like Rudy Gobert level return, but I think it would be fair to say he's probably worth at least a first in a young player. Just based off production. Production alone, is he not worth that? Okay, when you said a good amount, I was thinking like multiple picks. And it was like, no. I think that's what they want. I think two firsts, my line would be two firsts and a young project player, not like a... Young like there's no like, way that's what they're looking for. They're looking for more than that. I'm sure they're looking for. That's what I'm saying. They're definitely looking for more than more than that. But the teams again, it's kind of like the Zach Levine trade. I'm not sure there's a market for it because the teams that are linked to Siakam, which are the Pacers, the Mavericks, and again, there's a third team, but I can't remember it. Um, the Pacers are a young team. He really doesn't fit the timeline as great as it would be to get him. Um, and to get him, you'd have to give up on a player like Jairus Walker, which I'm not sure the Pacers are necessarily ready to do. In the Mavericks case, they have less Time out, assets. no time out, no time out. Are you guys like in the stage where we're willing to throw whatever to get um, Halliburton there, or are we not ready yet to... to... I, was say, I, I was thinking you guys are going all in. To an extent. To an extent. So the rebuild definitely went by a little bit faster than anticipated because Halliburton, like, we assumed he'd eventually get there, but the fact that he did it so quickly because he's getting legitimate MVP buzz. He's not going to win it. I'm not saying he is, but he's a legitimate candidate. The problem is, does Siakam move the needle that much? Because uh, Halliburton needs a second star, sure. But is it worth giving up youth now when there's potential free agent targets or other assets out there? Like, if... if So to go back to Austin, then, is he a top six or seven power forward if if he doesn't move the needle, if that's the case? Mm -hmm. No, I don't think he moves the needle that much for the Pacers. He doesn't address the need of the Pacers because the Pacers are still one of the top offenses in the NBA. What the Pacers need is a defensive stopper, someone that can play both sides of the is, ball. Is Pascal Siakam not good at defense? Like, I thought he's, he was one of the best. He's above average at defense. But I'm saying someone like an OG on an OB, Mikhail Bridges, um, like one of those players. Like, because we remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about Laurie Markinen, and it's kind of the same reason. Like, He's not a bad defender, and I'm not saying he's a bad defender. I'm saying what the Pacers need, what they're trying to address, is defense. And I'm not sure that when you have a team that's building to compete for the next couple years, moving a young player that fits that need for a player that potentially is a six-month rental is not a great general managing stance. You see what I'm saying? I'm not saying Siakam's not going to immediately improve the player, the Pacers. I'm just saying there's better uses of those assets. You, you get what I'm saying? Because if he walks in 
June. I had to think of when free agency started. If he walks in June and you gave up Jarris Walker, who was your answer for the wing defense for the future, it's a net negative because the Pacers, no matter what trade they make this year, barring a Cinderella story, are not legitimate contenders. And even the most homeristic fan that I am, I, I would not say that they're better than the Celtics, the Bucs. The, I mean, we did beat the Bucs 5-1 in the regular season, but it, it's not a better team than the actual contenders this year. And Siakam doesn't move the needle. No timeout, no timeout, no timeout now. No timeout. Part yeah. of the... Okay, so we've had arguments in the past about me saying the regular season isn't as important. So, and you've you've clapped back on that a lot. So, if going 5-1 against a contending team in the East does not make you a contender in the East, then how is what's your justification for the, the regular season okay, mattering? So, what, what is your definition of being a contender in the East? Like, what what is the final result what is the worst possible result to being a contender in the East, a legitimate contender? Is it a Eastern, Eastern Conference Finals appearance? Or you are we just would, talking appearance? You would le- you would legitimately have a shot at the NBA Finals, and you would likely want to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Then they're a fringe contender. Now, it's the Pacers game right now because of their high-flying offense. It's beneficial in the regular season, but once the game slows down and the playoffs, it always slows down. The games are called tighter by the refs, and we'll talk about the refs a little bit later because a lot to talk about with the refs. But as those games start to slow down and the pace slows down, the Pacers don't have the defense to stop those offenses because they don't have the personnel available. Does Pascal Siakam move the needle for a contender? Yes, a legitimate contender, not a conference contender but a legitimate contender yes absolutely does it move the needle for a team that's a very very good team and could potentially do a first and second round win yeah absolutely so what i'm saying is when you have a team that is like a 23 year old superstar who's top five in nba voting or top six and in MVP voting, you don't mortgage your future on a player that's going to be a rental. Unless you're already, if you are a single piece away from competing for an NBA title, absolutely, you pull the trigger 10 times out of 10. The Pacers aren't there yet. So, so here's a counter argument. A, and first, first off, is trading one young player and a first or two first mortgaging the future? And B, would it not also be a proof of concept that, yes, we could get people into Indiana? Because quite honestly, you guys don't have a good track record of getting people in. So it, I, I disagree with that because I think that when the Pacers have been willing to spend money, they have been able to attract free agents. And the issue is not that free agents haven't wanted to come here because back during the Paul George era, Anthony Davis wanted to come to the Pacers, but Herb Simon wouldn't front the bill to pay two players a supermax. In the new era of the Pacers, because Herb Simon wants it, he wants to compete for a championship before he dies. He's been liquidating assets. He's selling off all his mall properties. One, because malls are a failed 
project at this point, but two, he's more willing to spend. We saw that with the DeAndre Ayton signing last summer. I'm not saying don't trade a young player in two picks. I'm saying don't trade it for a six-month rental. I don't think that's all I'm saying. Anything. Regardless of DeAndre Ayton's performance, the fact that the Pacers were willing to spend was a switch in the Pacers' mindset that we haven't I don't think seen. They were willing to spend. Austin, who's better, DeAndre Ayton or Pascal Siakam? Siakam. Yeah, that... <laughs> but I'm just saying I don't. I don't think he expected Ayton to be on the Pacers. I think I he did it as a ploy just to show. So you hey, think Pacers you... fans, we have a chance. So you think it was just floof money, basically. It was a floof yeah. offer. Yeah. I I don't know about that. I think it was done to appease the people at B. No, because people aren't really, like, in our local media and forums and whatever else, people aren't really complaining about the Pacers' unwillingness to spend money. It's always been about the team building and then complaining about asinine things. It's never necessarily like what i'm saying is not what problem what problem with team building have you had like even when you had paul george you produced play you made players like roy hibbert and lance stevenson look like all-star caliber players i don't think okay. like time, 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 time. Oh, first, off, first off first off first <clears> off <throat> prior to probably like 2012 Roy Hibbert was an all-star player <laughs> like based on NBA skill set he was a seven foot two paint beast his skill set doesn't equal his 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 skill set did not translate to the shift in the NBA it, it's like we talk about how Jaleel Okafor and Nerlens Noel would probably be all NBA candidates if they were born a decade earlier but they weren't, and that was kind of Roy Hibbert's problem. And then LeBron hit him in the head with a elbow and just broke that man's brain. Um, also, fun fact: uh, we haven't done it yet, but if if you haven't noticed when you clicked on this podcast, it will no longer say non-explicit. Because why the hell not? Um, I cursed at the beginning of the episode. Did you? I honestly don't listen to you. I forgot you're here. Yeah, that tracks. That tracks. Wow. <laughs> um, he called you a whole bitch, Austin. I'd say I forget he has bad takes, but he always has those. So, I'm not saying the Pacers shouldn't make a trade involving Jairus Walker and picks. I'm just saying I don't think the Pascal Siakam is that player just because he's a rental. Now, if there's an agreed-upon contract before a trade, sure, I'm I'm not opposed to it. I'd still, I don't think I would move Jairus Walker. I think that realistically your unmovable or your untouchable pieces are Tyrese Halliburton for obvious reasons, Benedict Matherin for obvious reasons, Jairus Walker, and honestly, probably Miles Turner, because as much as people don't like him and I still don't understand that, like Angelo and I had a whole conversation about that a few weeks back. Uh, there's just not many pieces out there to, um, replace him if that makes sense now we spend enough time on the pacers which i didn't want to do um the other team is the mavs 
And again, that doesn't make sense because the pieces that they have that the Raptors would want back would be Derek Lively, who thus far into the season has been the Mavericks' third best player. Um, Their draft capital is not valueless because they haven't won anything yet, but it's going to be a late first-round pick. Um, So I just don't know what the Raptors are going to get back, if anything. I don't think Masai would just let him walk for nothing, but I don't think they would trade him for nothing. So it's kind of like Schrodinger's Siakam. Schrodinger's Siakam. So can you say that word? Yeah, like I I don't know. I don't think that. Then again, maybe no. I am definitely wrong. I was gonna say maybe they would do it for just draft capital, but then I realized they're the same people who just. Traded OG Ananobi for RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Which, quickly. So they I, probably do want to get like younger talent that they think they can develop in the building. I mean, versus I think, draft capital. I think Barrett and quickly have performed quite well since they got to Toronto. Um, but yeah, I, I think that they would have been better off going the draft capital route. Um, Austin, as a Mavericks fan, would you give up a young player for a rental in Siakam? No. Right. But again, that's because I don't think Siakam's going to do much. But he... Wow. And how low are you on DeAndre Ayton then? I'm just curious. Hmm? <laughs> Is there a basement? <laughs> like, yeah. You I mean, just, I. The league, it wouldn't make much difference. Wow. That's an aggressive oh. take. Siakam like last, last night had 27 points, 8 for 14 from the field, 5 for 6 from deep. This man does nothing. On a bad team. You're uh, the one that's you're the one itself that said someone has to make those shots. I get it. You discredit no, efficiency. Good players on bad, or good stats on bad teams. If there is not efficiency. If someone is shooting 30 shots and hitting five of them, I don't care because they have the green light to shoot as much as they want. But Siakam is shooting 50% from the field (laughs) against the Lakers. What was that? 25 points on 10 for 17, 3 for 5 from deep. Oh, stop. The Lakers are terrible. Like 11th, they're 11th in the West. The West is tight. They they're have a winning record. No, they, no, no, they don't. They're, they're, they're oh, they don't. 19 and 20. They're at 500. Oh, like, okay. okay. But the West is tight. Like, is, but so is the East this year. Like, I was actually looking at that. Like, four through nine is like one game difference. It's insane. I think that's kind of a highlight of the parody that's kind of been coming. The other team that could potentially be a sleeper for Siakam would be the Golden State Warriors. Um, obviously, they have a couple young players in Moses Moody and um, Jonathan Kaminga. That one out. That one out. That, that one out. And, well, I realistically think the Warriors need to blow up everything not named Steph Curry and maybe Andrew Wiggins. I think that Wiggins They're is... Wiggins. Are they? What? Yeah. Quite honestly, I I think trading him this year, it's over for him. 
quite honestly, I think they might eventually explore with Steph too. I think that uh think you do. Huh? No, I'm serious. Because listen, their their plan was obvious. Their plan was cool to a lesser extent, Mooney and Kaminga. And all of those players either gone, aren't performing the way the Warriors hoped, or won out. So, like, your plan failed. So at what point do you just blow it up? Three years ago. I don't think are you, you say, blow it up are you, now. Are you like, saying the plan I, didn't fail? I don't think you blow it up now in terms of, I think Steph is blowing it up. Right. I think everything else is on the table to be moved and it should be moved because the the home fans at Oracle are booing the Warriors. It is clearly not working anymore. I get this idea of the code that they have thanks to Steve Kerr. Sorry, I had a coughing fit. Um, but I don't know if Getting rid of Steph fixes anything. I don't think there's a world in which you trade Stephen Curry and you get better because Steph is still performing. Steph is the only thing on this team performing. Um, so I think this season you you look to blow it up. The market is not great. We've already we've been having this discussion for the last couple minutes. The market's not great, so you take what you can get, you blow it up, you retool, you come back next year, you see how it goes next year, and that's when you would consider potentially looking to move Steph, but I just, I don't see it unless Steph himself asks out. Steph's going to retire there. I, I think Steph's going to retire there. Because, like, he, how many rings does Steph have? Is it four? It is four. They have four rings. In the last decade. What more does he have to prove to Golden State management? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. So you have more success in the last decade than most teams have had in their entire franchise history across all of sports. So you you run it back with Steph, maybe only Steph. And then you just keep doing that. Like, I don't, I know you don't agree to loyalty from players to organizations and organizations to players, and you're staunchly opposed to that. But I think Steph and the Warriors should be an exception. I mean, it depends on what Steph wants to do. Exactly. I'm about to say, if if it's, if it's getting close to the end, he knows it's getting close to the end of his prime or the end of his career. And he wants to, to have one more hurrah to catch LeBron. You got to allow him to do that, dude. No, I, I'm totally like if Steph wants to leave, Steph leaves. But I don't think the Warriors explore trading Steph. Okay. Th- that's, that's what I'm saying. Like if Steph says I want out, they'll trade him. But I don't think the Warriors mindset should be blow it up, trade Steph. Just because fair. it's Steph. That's fair. <laughs> um, so speaking of the Warriors, uh, Draymond Green is back. Or at least he's practicing. Has he played yet? I thought he played. Hold on. (laughs) I know he's back to practicing, getting ready for a game play, but I don't. Yeah, he hasn't played yet. So 
Do you think the suspension was long enough? No. No, it wasn't. So apparently he was talking to Adam Silver right after the suspension came down and was basically telling him that he was considering retiring and basically just being, for all intents and purposes, overdramatic about the whole thing because he can't seem to under, like, oh, I can't punch people for talking trash, so I just have to retire. Like, it, it it's so stupid to me. Because he's upset about being punished for not only not making a basketball play, but assaulting someone on the court. It's ridiculous to me. I, he should have been done for the season. Because he was suspended for, what was the one before that? The choking Gobert. He was suspended for choking yeah. Gobert. Yeah, tell me what Came yes. back and then two games later punched Yusuf Nurkic. Yep. At what point is Silver finally going to realize this man is detrimental to the image of the league? Because nobody, like, I don't even think Warriors fans are okay with the suspension being as short as it was. I wonder, like, how other, like, NBA executives feel about it. As far as like the length of the um, suspension, I don't know what I'm really interested in because the executives I think are kind of nonchalant about everything. I'm That's more it. interested to see how the players association feels about it, and they're not going to tell us obviously because they represent the players and Draymond Green is a player. I'm about to um, say there's no way that the players association is not on Draymond Green. But so are they are they against like use of Nurkic and Rudy Gobert? Are they okay with players getting choked and punched while they're trying to just play basketball? Like, no, that's it's like that's a it's weird like a, stance. It's, a, it's a union. It's a union thing. They have to defend Draymond. But they in that they, scenario. They, but they're not going to defend Yusuf Nurkic and Rudy Gobert from their coworkers. That's a hostile work environment now. Like that's it's a catch yeah, that's, like, that's, they, that's they can't basketball. win. They cannot win. They're not going to comment on it, but I, I think they do have to be on Draymond's side, but they can't publicly be on Draymond's side. Right. Because, like, what what are you defending? Because your job is to defend the player, and yep. he was suspended. What are you defending? Oh, no, he didn't punch him. He absolutely did. But supposedly he got counseling and all that, but... Right after Draymond was reinstated, literally the day it happened, uh, blood for the blood god. The NBA has had a um, interesting blood for the blood god, uh, an interesting string of injuries happening. So it started, I think it, I think jaw was the first one. Jaw is done for the season, um, injured in practice. Had to have season ending shoulder surgery. Season ending? Season ending, yeah. yeah, he's done for the year. You didn't know that? No. Oh man. I'm I'm gonna that skip all the other injuries strength. real quick. Just, I'm gonna skip all the other injuries real quick just to get to how like much the Grizzlies got hit by this. So John Morant goes down. <clears throat> season ending right. practice injury. Yeah. Unfortunate. Marcus Smart gets injured. He's out for like four weeks, five weeks, something like that. Last night, Desmond Bain goes down. Oh my god. 
Yeah. So Grizzlies got that lottery pick on lock at this point. <laughs> I mean, at this point, you just you give up. You you let Jaron Jackson do what he did last uh, night. He he went one for eight from three. You let him pull. He has the green light. He hits it. He on, hits it. Yeah, on to the next season. <clears throat> um, there were people on Reddit I saw saying it was karma because Jaw's suspension was basically another slap on the wrist, and I don't agree with that. I, I am the biggest John Morant hater there is. But these injuries were kind of freak accidents. Um, hopefully he recovers. I don't I don't know right off whether it was a shooting arm or not. Granted, Ja is not known for his shooting. He can shoot, but that's not what he's known for. Um, so he should recover fine. Um, Marcus Smart, I don't remember what his injury or Desmond Bain. I was just looking at the injury report this morning <clears throat> when I woke up. Um Outside of that, Tyrese Halliburton, we all saw do the splits. Uh, there were a lot of orthopedic, not orthopedic, is that right? Orthopedic surgeons. There were a bunch of surgeons commenting that there was no way it was a grade one strain. It was going to be a grade two or potentially a grade three, and he was going to be out for six months to a year and blah, blah, blah. It turns out he only has a grade one, so he'll be back in a couple weeks. Thank the Lord. We won't miss the All-Star game. Um, who else? There was another big one. Who was the other? Well, while while I'm looking that up, the um back to the Warriors. Uh Clay was asked about the home fans booing. And he gave a kind of like snark, like he sneered at the camera and was talking about how oh, he doesn't care. Whoa, who is this? Who is this? Uh, Clay. Clay, go on. Okay. So he was like sneering at the camera about how it doesn't matter and he doesn't care about people's opinions and he doesn't lose sleep over it and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, homie, you probably should be listening to your home fans if they're booing you. I mean, I get that, but at the same time, like, Oh, Chris Paul. Oh, Chris Paul got injured? Yeah, that's... Chris Paul's out uh, for three weeks. That's pretty devastating considering Gary last time Payton. I looked, the Warriors weren't exactly uh, in the highest standing in the West, right? Now, but regardless, um, I kind of get it for Clay because he's been in the NBA so long that he's, as, as weird as the sound because of the Warriors dynasty, he's used to being booed. He's probably just not used to being booed by his own home fans. So he probably just took the same mindset that he had when um, he's getting when he's getting booed by, you know, other fans. Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler are all out for the Miami Heat. CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson out for the Pelicans. Jalen Brunson, Mitchell Robinson out for the Knicks. Um, Joel Embiid out. Like it, it's DeAndre Ayton, Robert Williams, but Robert Williams is always out. Um, but Robert Williams is out for the rest of the year. Uh, Wimbenyama. Like it, it, it's an absurd amount of injuries this week, and I'm I'm calling it blood for the blood god because. 
they brought Draymond back too soon. And the punishment for all of us is we're going to miss star players playing basketball for a brief period of time. Uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Christian Wood, Cam Reddish, D'Angelo Russell. So the entire starting lineup for the LA Lakers. Lakers. Um, Luka Doncic, Derek Lively, Darius Garland, Devin Mobley. Mobley's out for six to eight weeks. Jesus. Yeah, like I said, it's bad. Uh, Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter. Like, if you go through the injury report today, it's absurd. Now, some of these are day-to-day, week-to-week, whatever, but there are a lot that are four to six weeks, six to eight weeks, rest of the season. And I think that we as an NBA fandom just need to blame Draymond Green. It's, it's all on Draymond. It's the only it's, thing you care for. Um, besides injuries, the other thing that has been questionable, have you been following like all this drama with the current NBA refs? I know you're not one that's like, oh, no, you, you but... can't blame the refs. Like you're, okay. you're very much like play through it. But yes. there's been a few instances that are just so. So, um, in the NFL, this is this is actually funny. So, in the NFL, there was a game that ended in controversy between the Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so. They actually, the NFL themselves, actually took action and, like, lowered this refing staff's priority and made it so that they will not coach in the playoffs. Or they will not ref in the playoffs. Is that bad? That bad. Like, what? Explain. Like, what happened? So, okay. With, with, uh, how do I explain? Oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. No, I know. I, I think I saw that where the linemen... They said failed to report as a yes, yes, okay, yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes. He failed to report as an eligible receiver, but then when they showed it, it showed that he had gone to the re- Jared Goff had pointed him to the ref, and they both said he called as eligible. So, yeah. but that's not the only thing that happened. So here's what happened: the Detroit Lions scored a touchdown, and Dan Campbell is not your regular coach. He is rah rah. Like, I want to get this game over with, run it down their throats, blah, blah, blah. He's an aggressive coach, okay? So he was going to go for two. Mm -hmm. So he went for two. They got it on that play, and then they called him ineligible. Then they they decided to go for it again. And and they didn't get it, but this time they called P.I. So they get another chance, and they go for it again. They go for it again a third time, and they get it, and I forget. I think a holding was called on the offense, and they go for it a fourth time and don't get it. So basically the refs were like, you're not getting us, and just went out of their way. So when it happened, I, I was actually talking to Alex. I was like, listen, I don't believe in conspiracy theories, but if you were going to tell me that someone from the NFL was trying to tell these refs, to get this game into overtime and Dan Campbell just didn't take the hint that would that there's your example right there. Cause all they had to do was kick the PAT and it would have gone to overtime. Dan Campbell did not want the game to go to overtime. He wanted to beat Dallas right there, right now. Well, in that same vein, um, there's been a lot of 
questionable calls in the NBA over the past few weeks. And LeBron has been very vocal. <clears throat> so I, I, the first one that I remember is um, it, it was LeBron and <clears throat> it was a game tying three. And he hit the shot and then they went to review and they called it a two on the floor and then they reviewed it through video and they said it was inconclusive so it had to remain a two it was so obviously like his toe was basically on the line but it was not touching the line but they refused to you know say it was a three so lebron's been very vocal about this this um use of replay has not been beneficial it's basically a way for the refs to say, yep, we're good. We got the call right. Way to go, refs. Pat on the back. So there's been a few times that it's happened the other way. So, for example, Pacers versus Celtics the other night, there was a call on the floor. It was at the end of the game. Jalen Brown went up for a layup or a close-range jump shot, whatever, and they called Buddy Heald's a foul on the floor. Rick Carlisle challenged it. Okay. The Pacers won the challenge. No foul. The problem is I, as a Pacer fan, will tell you that was a foul. Buddy Heald said that was a foul. He went up and went to swat the ball and got Jalen Brown on the top of the head. Now. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Yeah. Now, when you're looking through all of these, um, and there, there's other things like uh, Trey Young getting ejected from a game for clapping, um, Nikola Jokic getting ejected from a game for talking back to a ref on a single technical, like he got a single technical and was ejected. Yeah, it, it was there was there was another situation that happened like last year too where oh no never mind that was Pat Bev Pat Bev took the camera just to show it to us on the on the Boston LeBron game winning layup. Yeah. <laughs> it it's just it's getting to a point that when you're tuning in to watch NBA basketball and maybe this is the same in the NFL, you're more interested in who's officiating the game because they're some of them are trying to make the game about themselves so me and austin or me and austin me and alex had this conversation on the podcast because so mlb is experimenting in the minors with having an automatic like strike zone and pitch count so you would not have an umpire calling balls and strikes at all absolutely we've talked about that i think that's a good idea I do not. I think there should be some human element in the officiating of whatever sport, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, etc. I think when you take that out, you kind of take part of the like pageantry and part of the drama out of the sport in a way. Uh, I don't know because like humans make mistakes. Humans make a lot of mistakes. Of course. So, I don't know, like. Because we're at the point technologically where you could have a ball that has a sensor in it and you could have a strike zone with infrared lighting and the ball knows if it's in the strike zone or not. Yep. 
and you, that kind of would create more of a perfect game where it's just players versus players instead of players versus the rules. Well, do you want a perfect game? Does that not just sound boring? No. <laughs> no. It does to me. Austin, what do you think? I agree with Angelo. I think the ref element, the human ref element makes it more interesting. Because but, these... It feels soulless. Yeah. Okay, okay, but so let me let me, let's let's rewind. Let's talk football for a second. So, okay. if instead of he had to go talk to a ref, Goff has because it was Goff, right? You said Jared Goff. Jared Goff, yep, the quarterback. If, if he had a little smart tablet on his wrist and he was able to say, "Okay, this guy's a receiver. This guy's a receiver. This guy's a receiver." There's no human element. There's no controversy. Yeah, one hundred percent. Why is that not a good thing? Why are you like, man, I really want the refs to be able to say he didn't want to report. Like, we should be using technology to improve the games. He got punished for that, though. I understand it affected that outcome, and there's no going back from that. But there were consequences for that action. For that ref, absolutely. But you have players. How long, let's say, who's the running back on the, on the, it was the Detroit Lions that lost the game? Yeah. Okay. So Detroit Lions. Who's a running back on the Detroit Lions? Jameer, Jameer Gibbs. Oh, yeah. Jameer Gibbs. How old is he? Like twenty-one. How long do running backs typically play? Like, what's a what's an average? Dunzo? If you're thirty, you're ancient. At about twenty-five, twenty-six, that's your like apex. Is, yeah. So he's got what four more years to like attempt to win it, and this ref just cost him that. Yep. And we're okay with that well, because he got punished, but we could have just solved it instead of uh, having it because you I mean he did break. solve it because that didn't happen in the playoffs. So But did it pro- did record? it prohibit did it stop the Lions from making the playoffs? No. No. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I'm saying. I thought it did. No. You thought but, it was a winner go home game. Yeah. No. That's kind of no, it was not a winner it was not a winner go home game. But it did Why? affect the seeding. Like, I think Detroit but, would have had the two seed if they won that I game. But, yeah. yeah. But why, if given the option to make it to where something like that? Because obviously, you need a human element in certain instances, right? Like, so in baseball, a computer, yeah, you could watch replay, but a computer is not really going to be able to tell you if someone was tagged out or not. You need a human element to make that decision and make the final call. But sure. when you have something that could be streamlined, to make the game more even, right? So the better team has a better chance of winning, right? Improving the skill gap. You want to know why? You want to know why? Why? Because you said it yesterday, because you like a good underdog story. I do like underdog stories, but an underdog story shouldn't be based on the officiating of the game. An underdog story should be, wow, this guy pitched really well today. Way to go. You can or, pitch really well, and the other team can still be better. That's what I. I that's what I'm I, saying. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you want to see those outcomes more, you kind of mm-hmm. need a human element in that. If you just not necessarily. If you yeah, kind of like, I think we were talking about college. Like the difference between college and professionals is ridiculous. There are a lot of games. Like, don't get me wrong. There's, there's like 10 point spreads in the NFL. 
but there's a lot more games that are decided between that are like lined between about a field goal or less than there is 10 point games. It's not that far. The difference, like what team is better, isn't that big of a difference in a lot of cases. And having that human element just adds that layer to it. If you just take that away, okay, just give the title to Baltimore then, I guess. What's the point of playing the game? So so what you're saying is the only reason Baltimore could be beat is because of poor officiating. It's one of the things, or they could play poorly, or a combination of both. Maybe they played better than the other team, but the refs missed a call here, and that gave the other team an opportunity for seven points, etc. That's just ridiculous to me. You would rather... I'd rather an imperfect game than a perfect game, yes. It's because it goes both ways. Yeah. It's not like we're having one-sided refs. It's something happens, and this team got a pass interference down the field. Now they like, like, have you never heard of a makeup call? Have you never heard of a makeup call? Right, but if you got rid of that, like, if you got rid of the... Not getting rid of the human element. That's a poor way of describing it. If you well, got That's kind of what you're doing. Getting rid I, of the human element from the places that don't need a human element to exist. What you're doing is you're getting rid of tradition for, for, for perfection. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But tr- like things aren't good just because it's the way it's always been done. So soccer is... I mean, I agree with that, but... Like the World Cup, like they will not use instant replay to like react to calls because that's not how we've always done it. Okay, but you're getting calls wrong. One of the most famous plays in the history of of soccer is the hand of God. That's part of the World Cup. When Maradona slapped the ball out of the air. And I don't know if you know this. I'm going to explain soccer to you. You don't <laughs> touch the ball with your hand. Correct. And then he scored a goal. Everyone could see it except the ref. But because we have to go with what the ref says, all right, he scored a good goal. Way to go. That's ridiculous to me. Now, I'm not saying get rid of the human element completely. There are things a computer's not going to be good at. Like a a human still is going to have to call fouls in the NBA. Right? But in terms of a three-point shot, a computer is going to be able to tell where the player is on the floor better than a trailing ref is going to be. Because the person that ruled that LeBron didn't make a three was behind him. A umpire is still going to have to call tagouts, right? An umpire doesn't necessarily need to call a foul ball. That's kind of obvious. But we're yeah, so stuck yeah. in tradition that we're we're doing something like I would rather see elite pitchers be able to be elite pitchers and trash pitchers be trash pitchers because there's not a guy that's Listen. Top, like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me let me let me let me do a quick Google. I'm gonna be Austin for a second. <laughs> um, um, Austin um, got a stray in there. Well, I've gotten so good at it. Um, 96% male. The average. This is overall. I want just MLB. The, the average umpire is about 90% accurate on their balls and strikes. 
if that's what you're looking According for. According to who? It, that was the last stat I remember me and Cameron talking about. It's somewhere between to who? The the stat tracker website that Cameron uses. But that, I, but but so who is? So we talked about this last summer in the group chat, I believe, where I said that I think that if you were to rig a sport, baseball would be the easiest. Because oh my god! As the MLB, you could adjust camera angles to make it look like a strike zone, and the the NBA is really good at this now. Because if you read the last two minute reports, when they first came out, they were meant to be like an objective way of like reviewing the performance of the officials. And now it's like confirming it instead of like saying, oh, they got this call wrong. Um, He's still looking for that stat. It's not a stat I'm looking for. I'm looking for ages of umpires. Because Sorry. What's up? Like, I'm looking for the ages of umpires because I have so they're ancient, a lot of them are. That's what I'm saying. They don't have the quickest reaction times because your reaction times change as you age. Like that's just common sense. Like your reaction times slow down as you get older, your vision gets worse. Why do you want some like do you want an 80-year-old running the country? I'm asking you, Angelo, do you want an 80-year-old running the country? You're not going to answer? It's debatable. But you're okay with them calling strikes and balls? I don't know because if they're 80. Terrible. I don't know. If... Those are also not comparable. That's true. I'm just saying a computer would be flawless. Just because it's traditional does not make it better. We have the technology to where it could be 100% of the time the correct call is made. There's no variability. It's batter versus pitcher. You want to strike him out, you've got to be a better pitcher. You've got to throw more deceptive curves or sinkers or whatever. Or just beat him with speed. But you have to be better. You can't rely on... A I'm not. Call. I'm not sure that that doesn't already happen now. I'm. In fact, I'm pretty sure that does already happen now. In on in most at bats, on most occasions. No, it. I, it's just ridiculous to me in all of sports that we're not using technology to make them better. We do. What are you talking about? We do. We have no, challenge systems. We have challenge systems in almost every major sport now. We have a booth or a replay that goes to a secondary, third or third party, supposedly independent area to make calls in in key moments in the NFL. And if I'm not mistaken, in the NBA too, correct? We don't. The the uh, NBA Referees Association refuses to allow them to have a neutral third. Referee. So wait, there's not like a booth in the NBA? There's a booth, but there's not. So for a long time, the NBA PA has been pushing for another official to be in a booth watching cameras, basically to be that computer that's going to be, you know, unarguable. The eye in the sky. Um, Yeah, the eye in the sky, but the the NBA Referees Association won't allow it. Um, Again. Why not? 
Why not just steal the NFL model, which is like every call that could be questionable in the last whatever minute, two minutes, whatever you oh, want to make that it. That happens. That happens. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. But, I but say, it doesn't. Go, it that. doesn't go to a another official. It goes to a replay center in, I think, New York. Yeah, that's where the NFL goes. Yeah. To. That's yeah, but, that's, but that's different than having another referee on the floor, or not on the floor, but you get I'm what I'm saying. saying on the floor. Okay. <laughs> but they won't do it for the same reason that the last two minute report basically just says, We did a good job, way to go, us, high fives all around. It's because they don't want to say we got it wrong. It's why Buddy Heald's foul, which again, Buddy Heald is saying, Yeah, that's I fouled him. I it was a foul. I hit him in the freaking head. But the refs are saying no, we're not wrong. And you think the MLB would be the easiest trick? I think the MLB would be the easiest rig because like we can see this. Right? With like your referees trying to Jedi mind trick the fans and then the players apparently. No, 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 no but we got it, we got it right. We got it right. We got trust. But I'm trust saying us, like, we got it right. I'm saying like as a league. I'm not saying as a one person thing, I just think like you shift a camera angle and suddenly it looks like the strike zone is a little bit more to the right than it actually is. You can't change a camera angle to not show Buddy Heald slapping Jalen Brown in the face. That's what I'm saying. When I say it's easier to rig, I'm saying as a league, if you really wanted to, because you control the cameras, you could shift the cameras to make strikes look like balls and balls look like strikes. Are they doing that? No, I'm just saying that would be it would be the easiest to do because um, you couldn't do that in the NFL or basketball or soccer. You can't get rid of camera angles in that way. I mean, you kind of in the NFL, we had a, the huge like multi-year debate of what is a catch. So maybe. But um. go on. I don't know. I'm just all in favor of improving sports through technology. I think human elements are objectively bad um, and should be limited when possible. They do create drama, sure. And I'm all for storylines, but I like the storylines to be relevant to the game. I don't think... This is just me personally, but I think they should be used as a tr- strategic tool. They should be something you have as a coach and something you can use. And if you get so, it wrong, you don't have it again. So you're, you're Scott Foster, Chris Paul, prime example yep. of what I'm talking about. Yeah, we know they don't like each other. We know that yep. Chris Paul gets treated differently. Sure. That's a human element. Why are we not eliminating that? Oh, it's dramatic. It's a storyline, but it's stupid. Like there's a player that's not being allowed to play because of a referee. Should they be punished? Yes, absolutely. But why are we even allowing it to come to that? I don't think that's a difference between computer and that's just yeah the NBA needs to step up. That's just one person being a dickhead in the NBA saying that we're just going to let this shit happen. Yeah, right. But if you have the option to say, okay, well, so your solution is let's get rid of all of them. I'm not saying get rid of all of them. I've been saying that all along. I think 
<laughs> no, I'm saying rebellion. We know where Ren lies. I 100%. I welcome our robot overlords, but I, what I I've been saying all along, I think human elements still needed to exist because, like in basketball, they would need to call fouls. In baseball, they would have to call outs. But when there's things that we can control through player tracking, out of bounds, for example, computers like can review that in real time. We have the ability, like we're tracking where players are moving at all times. So you can why track. Would, why would these leagues spend the money on this computer that'll fix a niche problem? When you still need the human for everything else. Improving the general flow of the game. But there's arguments that if people use computers, it's going to slow down the game. How? Because everything's going to get challenged. That would be asinine. If the computer knows where the ball is at all times, and it knows where, and in baseball, if it knows where the ball is and it knows where the strike zone is, there's not a challenge. It knows where it is better than a human because we have this conversation about like video game controllers and FPS and all that, right? There's a there's a point where the human eye can't track as well, or the human ability to the the benchmark, the ability to react to something. We're not good at that. A computer can process all the information that we're gonna think in our entire lifetimes in like two seconds. If a computer knows where the ball is and knows where the strike zone is and you want to argue that it was wrong, sure, go for it. You're not going to win that one, though. It's not. I don't know. I just am fully in favor of modernizing. To a larger degree. Because I don't like, I hate seeing games decided because a ref didn't see the play he thought he saw. And then he confirmed it when he did the challenge. Or, I don't know. That, the Detroit Lions one alone should be enough to say, okay, something's wrong. No, it's just it was one person. It's it's enough for me to say, okay, that one person deserved to get punished. Okay, his team's not okay, officiating okay. a playoff game. Okay, okay, that's deserved. Okay, so ignore the strike Next. zone. All right, let, let's Next. let's stop. Let's stop talking about the strike zone. You don't think maybe just modernizing it so you don't have to talk to someone to, you know, mark your eligible receivers. You you do think that we have to traditionally honor the ability to designate no. eligible receivers. You think that's good? Well, no, that's that can change, down, but that's going to slow the game down or How? allow for more user error. What if How? Hoffman to hit seventy-seven and he hit seventy-six? Yeah, that's, then that's he's punished for that's a then he threw it to an you ineligible receiver. Have, you only have twenty-five seconds to call the play, get to the line, and actually hike the ball. There's not enough okay. time for him to enter okay. that information. Who who was the lineman that he was throwing to? Taylor Decker. He was a left tackle. What what information are you? All using? right. So Taylor Decker is 315 pounds. You think you think Jared Goff 
can't look at a little iPad and hit 77 or 68. He's number 68. Faster than a 315-pound man who's tired because he's been playing all game can jog over to the ref, say, hey, I'm eligible, and jog back to the line. You think that... <sighs> Come on. On this one, I will I will agree with when the eligible receivers could be done with automation. I'm more about balls generally being when the human. Element. If you want to argue in favor of strike zones or whatever, I just I don't think that's great. I think that there does have to be Part a human element. I just, but that's stupid. Like if the if okay in basketball, if here's, the rim occasionally quite honestly, slightly move to the right. I know we're we're talking about MLB and strike. Quite honestly, name me the pitcher who is viewed as an all-time great because of umpire play. You're asking the wrong guy. Exactly, but that there isn't one. That's the thing. Like you can't there. It's just like singular at bats or singular calls. It's not like a, a whole thing. Where these guys decide, okay, we're going to make this guy like ten okay. percent better than he is for his career. That's not how that works. So let me let me ask you a flip side. All right. So if umpires are so good, right, ninety percent, whatever. Sure. What what's the hesitance to just saying, all right, we're just going to automate the job if it's already so good, and it doesn't matter at bat to at bat. Give me a give me a reason that at that point, because it doesn't matter. You just said it doesn't matter at bat to at bat for a career. There isn't a player who's been made because of the mistakes or because we're just going to make this guy. But no, that's what I, I'm saying. But you said it's like ninety three percent correct calls, right? Ninety percent, but yes, ninety percent. So. Are you? How many pitches are thrown in a year? Uh, in starters a, usually hover around a hundred, and then there's usually three to four innings in after that. So, oh, in a year, I thought you meant in a game. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm wondering in the MLB as a whole, how many pitches are thrown in a year? I would need average pitch count a game, and then times that. I mean, I'm just going to Google it. Average of 146 pitches per game. There are 729,000 pitches per year. I got 23,652. I got my answer from a website, not napkin math. So I'm going to go with that one. So, oh, it's best. It's baseball reference. It's so. How many did you get? One hundred and forty-six pitches per game mm-hmm. times one hundred and sixty-two games is twenty-three thousand six hundred and fifty. Only one hundred and forty-six pitches per game. That's what baseball mm-hmm. reference is saying. I got like, seven hundred and nine thousand five hundred and sixty. Yeah, I got seven. That's we'll, interesting. We'll, okay, so we'll go with that, seven. Angel, that was pitches per team. Yeah, that's what I was. Oh, okay. okay. So seven hundred and nine thousand. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, you're talking about all of the. Okay. Yeah, I, the whole uh, NBA. Okay. MLB. MLB. Yes. 
Yes. Okay. 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 I was just doing one. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Go on. No. Seven oh nine. Hold on. Napkin math. I'm bad at it. So that means that 70,900 pitches are called wrong every year. Sure. Yeah. You're okay with 70,000 or 71,000. That's ridiculous. What do you mean it's ridiculous? It's part of the game. That's so dumb. But how many of those, it, you can't quantify how many of those actually made an impact. That could be a first pitch, someone, it was supposed to be a strike, it was a ball, and then the next pitch, the dudes hit a pop fly out. It wouldn't have affected the game at all. There's no telling if it does. And there's no telling That's if it doesn't. So let's. Like, because what we're doing is we're playing a game of what ifs and what ifs are infinite. Okay. So let's say it's a ball, right. And it's very obviously a ball and I don't swing at it. And I'm at two strikes, right. And the ref or the ump calls it out. Now I'm out. There's no saying the next one, I don't hit the grand slam home run and win the game. When you're just saying at bat doesn't matter. Bat to bat doesn't matter. You're not wrong, but it could matter. And because it could matter as fans of sports, we should care about at bat to at bat. If there's an if there is a potential to remove the human element so that we have because it should never, there should never, ever in any sport be an example where the teams are not playing each other. It is not one v one v one. It is not team versus team versus refs ever. There should never be a circumstance. If there is a possibility of that, that's a flawed system. Because you can say, oh, it's it, there's never been a player defined by it. Has there ever been a game that has been lost because of a bad call? Probably. I'm sure. Yeah. That shouldn't be on the table. Uh, From an athletic point of view, that should never be on the table if you can prevent it. When you're just saying, oh, it's tradition, you're not providing me a reason to where 71,000 pitches being called wrong is a good system because it's tradition. I don't care about tradition. I care about the fact that 71,000, think about, your assignment is to go count to 71,000 after this. This guy. See how long it takes you. That is an absurd number. That's what I'm saying. Like, Granted, there's like a billion games of baseball every season. But if you can stop that if you have the ability to stop that why would you not because it doesn't matter if at bat to at bat during when does baseball season start uh april so a game in may who cares if a bad pitch was called everyone should because it's not a game like you're not supposed to be playing against the referees you are supposed to be playing your best versus their best. That's athletics. That's sports. That's competition. If you've ever played Monopoly with someone that breaks the rules of Monopoly, it's not a fun game because they're not playing the game right. Are you comparing referees to bad Monopoly players? I'm comparing the fact that we're not 
wanting to see sport. Well, yeah. That's part of it. It's, the sport is a part of the pie, but it's not the whole pie. What? It's also the present. Yes! It's the entertainment thing. You do not watch a sport event just for the sports. You watch it for the presentation, or you watch it for the drama, or you watch it for the pageantry. Right, right, right. right. right, right, right. The, you watch the, a game for? The drama is that Steph Curry went 0 for 6 in the first half, and they're down by 15, and now he's hitting threes doing the Rock the Baby celebration. That's the drama. The players versus the players. I don't, if the Warriors come back into that game because the ref is calling soft fouls to get them back in the game, I don't like that game. That's not a good game. Let the players determine the outcome of the game, not another human. Do you disagree with that? Do you think that if the Warriors come back in it because, I don't know, Marcus Smart didn't touch Steph, but they gave him three free throws at the end of the game, and the challenge said, oh, yeah, we we, we stand by that call. Well, you get a pat on the bat because the ref got talked to after the game, but the entire game was ruined because of one bad call. The oh, entire... foul to foul, it doesn't matter. No, but that one bad call changes the outcome of a game. It doesn't matter if the other bad calls didn't. That one invalidates the rest. I think that's not fair. I think that's that the refereeing is a part of the equation. It's part of the equation. It's the calculation you make. It shouldn't be. Just because it has been does not mean it should be. And as we get into the era of legalized gambling, my guy, do you realize what is about to happen? Oh, you it's already happening. Really it's be a fan of the zebras. Like that better be your favorite team, which it sounds like it is because you're you are defending every call they make. Defend it's every call they the make. Game. It's part of the game. It doesn't matter if that was clearly a three-pointer. It's part of the game that they got it wrong. It's part of the game. It shouldn't be. Anyway. Welcome to No Reserves Baseball, where I don't know what we're talking about. Apparently. No, I don't know baseball. So anyway, what about the NBA? Um... Got a little off track there. Um, just a little bit. Just a little bit. I don't know what you're talking about. Honestly, I think we hit everything we wanted to talk about, though. That was everything. <laughs> oh, we did we? To talk about. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did. Like I, we did. It's just we got a little off track. Um, I do want to hit the All Star returns real quick because we got the second returns came back. I, Angela and I talked about it last oh, yeah. week. Um. Yeah. Okay. So Western Conference front court, LeBron continues to lead the way. First player over three, well, second player over three million. Holy crap, Giannis! We will get to Giannis in a minute. Uh, Nikola Jokic three point or two point seven million. Kevin Durant two point seven. Anthony Davis one point four. Kawhi Leonard one million flat. And then rounding out the top ten, Alperen Sengun 
Paul George, Victor Wembanyama, Chet Holmgren, and Carl Anthony Towns. Are there any disagreements with the All Star voting returns? Except Aunt Austin's not allowed to talk about Wembanyama because we don't have time. Why? Just principle. Just principle. Yeah, I I don't know. Like season, like statistically, sure, but I, yeah. It's Sengun getting up there though. I'm. He deserves my, it. He deserves it absolutely. Baby Jokic. Baby Jokic. Um, I do Baby like Ding, Wemby, and Chet neck and neck. Um, Austin missed it last week, but Angelo and I both have a newfound respect for Chet Holmgren. Um, guards for the West: Luka Doncic leading the way at two point five, Steph at one or two point one, SGA one point seven, James Harden six hundred, Kyrie Irving five hundred. And rounding out the rest of the top 10, Anthony Edwards, John Morant, De'Aaron Fox, Devin Booker, Clay Thompson. I don't agree uh, with Jaw. I mean, Jaw wouldn't be eligible anyway. I know. This still. is just fan returns. I don't agree with Clay Thompson. You know, Kawhi's played in all but four of the Clippers games. It's weird oh, that when they the start. Okay, yeah, this is just fan voting. Okay. Um, oh, okay. No, 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 no. I, I, I agree. Ever since they implemented rules that said you can't rest for a sore pinky toe, uh, he's been playing. Weird. I remember... See, there oh, was just a report that came out the other day, an NBA report that said they have found no linkage between load management and lesser injury risk. No, there's none. There's absolutely none. It's pointless. It's a waste of time. Um, waste of a career. Eastern Conference front court Giannis Antetokounmpo, 3.5 million. For reference, LeBron James had 3 million flat. He has almost 500,000 more votes than LeBron James. That's your one and two. Uh, Joel Embiid, 2.9. Jason Tatum, 2.9. Jimmy Butler, 1 million flat. Five, Jalen Brown rounding out the top 10. Chris Stops, Bam. Julius Randle, Paolo Banchero, and Mikhail Bridges. I'm not sure about Julius Randle, but the rest of it I generally agree with. My opinion of Jimmy Butler be damned. He should be in the top five. I'm happy with my Porzingis being up there. Yeah, for sure. I, I really do like that fit on Boston. Yeah. Uh, and then the guards, Tyrese Halliburton, 2.1 million, 2.2 million, rounded up. Uh, Trey Young, 1.5 million. Damian Lillard, 1.4 million. Donovan Mitchell, 1 million. Tyrese Maxey rounding out the top five at 842,000. And then the rest of the top 10 is Jalen Brunson, Derek White, Lamella Ball, Drew Holiday, DeMar DeRozan. I disagree with Derek White, but, you know, it is what it is. Can we talk about the fact Derek or Boss's entire starting five is on this list? What? Boston's entire starting five is on this list. Tatum, Brown, Porzingis, Derek White. Drew Holiday. Oh, Drew Holiday, right. Huh. If... Huh. Oh. I really disagree with Derek White being up there. Derek White's been playing amazing. He's been playing amazing, and Angelo and I last week talked about the fact that he's probably the most valuable player not named Jason Tatum on that lineup, but I don't think he's the best player not named Jason Tatum on that lineup. I mean, he's better than DeMar DeRozan. Oh, there is something else I want to talk about, but we'll finish this real quick. Um, no, he's not. First yeah, off, first off, no, he's not. Yeah, um, the DeMar second hate. off, 
he already had more votes than DeMar DeRozan. So I don't know what your point is. Sure. <laughs> I'm saying, like, if you don't think he's on this list, and by definition, you're putting him below DeMar. Yeah, I'd probably put him at 11. That's why I was saying no. Anyway, um, no. So did you guys see the Bulls game last night? Did you hear about this or anything? No. I watched the Bulls game. <laughs> that too. Okay, that's fair. So last night they had the induction, not induction. They basically announced oh, yes. they were doing. I yeah, okay. That. So you did see this. I was going to say, even if you didn't see it, you probably heard about it. Except Angelo, because it's Angelo. So they were doing the Ring of Honor inductions and celebration and what have you, where they were saying like, oh, these players and executives and coaches and what have you are basically getting inducted into our own personal Hall of Fame. Right? Great. A lot of teams have it. A lot of sports have it. All for it. When they got to Jerry Krause, and Jerry Krause just passed away, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that, the entire arena started booing. As they're showing Thelma Krause, who is Jerry's widow, on the camera. So they show Thelma, they announce Jerry Krause, Krause and the fans... 2017. Did he really? I thought he just died. Who just died? Someone just died. Regardless. Really, like, low-class move? Because regardless of how you feel about Krause, and I feel like the last dance kind of... They, they I'm, about say, I'm about to say, let's be real. If you're going to blame someone, blame MJ. It's, it's Jordan. On that it's Jordan. One. It's, yeah, it's MJ. Jordan. I'm not, I, I wasn't going to say, like, that's what I was doing before you interrupted me to make sure I was saying that. Um, Because they basically let Jordan say whatever he wanted. And he was like, he was blaming Kraus. Which blowing it up. Yeah. isn't necessarily fair. Whether you agree with it or not, it, it, it you're you're blaming a dead person that cannot defend themselves, and that's what it it should have clicked in my head. He was not dead yet. My apologies. Um, or he was dead already. Um, because like it comes to this, like most of these people that were booing, let's be real, they probably were not alive or around. Like if you go to games, a lot of the crowds are younger now, and they were probably not. If they were watching the games, they were not old enough to even conceptualize the concept of a general manager. And they're just booing because MJ told them that it was Krause's fault and blah, blah, blah. Krause is evil. Blam, blam, blam. Regardless of that, regardless of all of that, you're doing your Hall of Honor and Jerry Krause is responsible for that team. He brought in Pippen. He is the one that brought in Pippen. Was he responsible for blowing it up? Arguably, I think that was more ownership than Kraus, but it was easier to blame Kraus because he can't defend defend himself. Regardless of all that, the man is dead. And when you're inducting him into your ring of honor, which he should be, he brought Pippen in, he brought Rodman in. And they show his widow, and you have the gall to boo a dead man's wife. Yep. Stay that classy, is Chicago. Disgusting. And I, I, I will say, I will say, um, the Chicago play. Chicago. What does Chicago have to boo for? Like, what's the last time that these motherfuckers have been in a playoff game? So, so I will say before Angelo starts yelling. Why don't you boo that? 
Boo that! Boo the shit of fucking, like, organization that brought together Zach Levine, Bujevic, unfortunately Lonzo got hurt, <laughs> and DeMar DeRozan, and thought he was going to do something. Boo that shit! Boo that Chris, first. Bujevic. Bujevic. That is... <laughs> holy shit. Um, I don't so so Stacey King is the play-by-play commentator for the Chicago Bulls, and like while this is all going on, man's just had to say some things uh absolutely disappointment one he did a promo for a sponsor which was an insurance company and he's doing it angrily like it's so mad and it's so funny um but the comment is the people that booed jerry Krause and his widow it was the worst thing i've ever seen in my life whoever booed her should be ashamed of themselves that's not chicago that's new york or philly like New York and Philly caught strays in it, and I love it because, yes, they should. No. Yeah. Steve Kerr also went off on people, too. I mean, he was inducted into the ring, too. Yeah. But it, it's just tragic that it wasn't against the Spurs because Popovich would have probably grabbed the mic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about that at the opening of the episode, but I I read it this morning. And so I put it at the bottom of my notes like an idiot. And it should have been at the top of my notes like a not idiot. But I did the idiot like thing. Not. The idiot thing is also thinking that tradition matters more than results. Anyway, thanks for joining us today. Austin was here. Isn't that great? It's awesome. We also had our first F-bomb. Way to go. Um, follow us on socials at No Reserves. Follow us on Twitch. That will eventually happen. Um, also at no reserves um like comment subscribe follow do all the fun things you will see angelo on thursday for the football podcast tuesdays are now open we will be doing something else coming soon love you guys bye and let you guys might have something to say i don't know i just kind of threw you under the bus if you have anything to say say it go i have nothing to say that wasn't surprising (laughs) hold on That's how we're ending it. (laughs) Fuck you, Austin.